When I moved to Salt Lake City about 47-odd years ago, I lived up the street from a cute little park called Memory Grove. My friends and I used to take their dog down to the off-leash trail at the Grove and let her run around with other dogs. It was pretty funny to watch all the couples trying to take wedding photos while dodging overexcited puppies. When I told my mom I was living so close to the Grove, she was worried. Apparently in her day, it was a den of crime and iniquity, drug use and vagrancy. Not a safe place for a young woman alone. I dismissed my mom's concern. I mean, after all, gentrification had done its thing by now. But according to my friend Caleb, the Grove has its share of bad memories. Um, there's a lot of things about Memory Grove that contribute to supernatural experiences. Um, if you walk into Memory Grove, not from the winding path by the Capitol, but down on the level of, and you walk on the sidewalk and you look down as you're passing the gate, you actually cross over a pentacle as you walk into the Grove. The Grove itself is very peaceful. It's a war memorial. There are a lot of spirits whose bodies were never recovered that have gone there because that's the only memorial they have for themselves. Um, so they don't hang out by a grave, they don't do anything, they just chill there by the only remembrance that there is of them, basically. And so it's very peaceful in the grove itself, but then there's a path at the back that goes up into what's called a bell canyon. So, um, and you walk the path, but as you're walking along, most people, whether they have supernatural, um, tendencies or not, tend to feel something, whether that be anger, whether that be sadness, whether that be resentment. Um, and the reason for that is when you get up high enough, you'll see the foundations of a house that are left there. Back in the time when it was first settled, there was a woman who lived there that was burnt in her home as a witch. Okay. Maybe she was right to worry. I'm Dory Peacock, and this is The Ghost Box. Okay, indulge my history nerd brain for a minute here. What we now know as Memory Grove was the site of a sawmill in the 1860s. In 1902, the city acquired the land and turned it into a public park. In 1924, the city put up the first of the war memorials Caleb talked about. The first one honored the fallen of World War I. Monuments have been erected throughout the 20th century to honor the dead of all succeeding wars. The park got a bad reputation in the 60s and 70s when it became a favorite campsite for hippies and transients with their joking, smoking, and by some reports, midnight token. In 1983, the park was all but destroyed by a flash flood, and in 1999, it was gutted by the Great Salt Lake City tornado, which, yes, is a thing that happened. Fun fact, the wood from the Grove's fallen trees was used to build a desk for the governor's office, which sits in the state capitol to this day. The damage done by the tornado became the impetus of a movement to clean up the park for public use and turned it into the cute, idyllic little family picnic and wedding destination it is today. In spite of its transformation, there are rumors that the Grove may be holding on to some darker recollections. There are a few ghost stories about Memory Grove, but the one you heard from Caleb at the top of the episode is unique. I asked him where he heard that story. Uh, she told me. 
she's still in the house. Just to clarify, when he says she, he means the spirit herself. The very first time I went up there, the very, very first time, I was all by myself. Um, it was probably two o'clock in the morning. Memory Grove, the lights are always on. And I felt a call or a pull. And I walked up the path by myself, not knowing what it was. And she was in her home holding her child. Um, she had a little girl. Uh, it was a baby still. And she, she basically told me the story that um, there had been some crop failings and other little things. And that she was one of the people who, you know, was friends with the kids. And the kids all loved her. And then she would give them candy or whorehounds as they were back then. Um, but then one of the kids that she had given candy to got sick and also passed away. And so being a mob mentality type thing, it was we need to blame somebody instead of just, you know, that sometimes crap happens. And so the they formed a mob and they came up and they burned her alive in her house. Um, and she is still there. That's why the when you walk into the house, you feel a lot more at peace because she is a very peaceful person. Um, she's very calm and very loving in nature. So, but she basically, I mean, it was just a basic story. And then sometimes it's not all in words as much as it is feelings and images of communication. So it just depends. Um, I could feel a lot of fear from her as far as when it happened because like I said, she had a, a baby um, that was burned with her. Whether it was what actually happened or not, that's what I saw and felt from her. So whether that be something that she's told herself to feel better about it or whatever, I don't know. I tried to find some historical verification for that story, but I couldn't. It's not out of the realm of possibility, though. Acts of vigilante justice like that sometimes have a way of being swept under the rug and forgotten. And it would explain the experience Caleb and his friends had at the Grove. Here's the thing. It, sh it should be noted <laughs> that I don't really have experiences like this. I've been told by like three separate people that I have... I guess you could call it like protection. I don't see stuff. I have like a thick veil and I don't test it usually. I don't go looking for stuff. I don't do anything like that. That's not me. This is Hope. I met Hope while I was working on the first episode. She's a good friend of Caleb's and as you can tell, Hope is a believer in the supernatural. But she also believes there's a very specific reason she doesn't often experience it firsthand. So I've had three different people tell me, some of them refer to them as my ancestors, one person called them my posse, and one person said they're guardian angels. But basically, apparently, my ancestors know that this sort of stuff creeps me out and have nicely decided to block phenomena from me. Like I said, Hope and Caleb go way back, and they were together with a bunch of friends one fateful night at Memory Grove. And well, I'll let them take it from here. So this particular night, um, at the time, I was kind of sort of dating this guy. It was in 
very early stages and it was his birthday party and somebody at the party got the bright idea that we should go ghost hunting and I didn't want to be I didn't want to go but I didn't want to be that buzzkill that was like no let's not do this and I had never seen anything before didn't really think I was going to see something I figured I was going to go out there probably jump at my own shadow get a little freaked out and laugh at myself and there were like how many people like seven people seven or eight people something like that that were gonna go so initially we had gone to a cemetery and we were gonna go into the cemetery but cemeteries close at 10 p.m and you're not supposed to be there after that it's a public park kind of thing and when we had stopped there there were some people across the street in their houses kind of looking at us and everybody got a little spooked they thought somebody's gonna call the cops on us and they're gonna come tell us that we have to leave so i don't remember which friend decided on it but they had the bright idea that we should go down to memory grove because that's open at any time you can be there at any time of night i have a friend that claims he can you know see spirits and um he states that he can like see the angry mob and that the leader of the mob is just a, a very angry spirited very angry man you know the feeling that is as you're going up there is a mob mentality type feeling. Um, I have seen the members of the mob. Um, we got up, we walked all the way up to the cabin. When you walk into the foundations, it's a very peaceful feeling. It's very calm, it's very, I am safe here. But at the same time, that whole mob has followed you up there and is waiting outside. As soon as you walk back out into it, there is a whole nother feeling. But we went up there. And I was trying my best not to, you know, be a buzzkill. And the guy that I liked, whose birthday party it was, I was kind of trying to get him into it because he was being a little bit of a buzzkill. So I was like, you know, just go, go think about the story, have fun, get into it. We'll psych ourselves out. It'll be an interesting night. We'll all laugh. It'll be a good time. And that's really what I thought was going to happen. So when we got there, it's, like I said, um, the I believe the person whose birthday was had not been there before. So we were showing them around, ghost hunting. Um, I've been in touch with that side of things for most of my life in one way or another. And so I'm a little more open to it than a lot of people are. Um, we get there, we walk around to different places. There's a mausoleum. Um, there's the World War One, World War II memorial. It's very, like I said, very calm and peaceful at that point. But you can feel, I can feel the, the, the anger start to build because I have been there enough that, and as strange as it sounds, I feel like some of the spirits can recognize me. And so they know that I'm gonna go walk up to the quote unquote witch's house. They don't like that. So we then take them, we walk them up, and that's when you start to feel the anger, you start to feel the hatred, you start to feel the, um, the wish to harm someone because something happened, and, and it's the whole mob mentality. You don't understand why you're feeling that. So I tried to explain as we went up what was happening, what we were feeling, why we were feeling it, things like that. Um, 
but you have to be really open to that kind of thing to fully understand. Well, on the way up there, we have one friend that is prone to embellishing things. <laughs> and so her claim is that she can like project some sort of protection or aura or something like that. Like, I, d I don't have that claim. Mine, I have no control over. If they decide they don't want to protect me, I'm screwed. But she claims that she could project this aura. So she's, you know, saying, oh, okay, everybody stay within this radius because that's where I can protect you, you know. Don't split up. And, and we're like, okay, yeah, sure. Now, the other thing is there are a lot of um, Wiccan and Pagan rituals that happen in Memory Grove. Um, now, Pagan and Wiccan rituals are not, by definition, devil worship or anything like that, but there are some who do and can call spirits that are not good. And in that case, there are some of those that hover around anyway just because of the occult nature of the rituals that they sometimes do. Um, and so that's one of the things that I saw that night, especially, um, were things hanging out about these altars that weren't good. So on our way up, we had one particular friend, and he was insistent, and he just really, really wanted to have some kind of a paranormal experience. I was not searching for anything. He was willing to have just about anything no matter the cost he wanted to experience it so on the way up this trail he was claiming that he was following something or somebody as we got to the general top of this path where the witch's ruins are he basically told our friend that said she was protecting everybody you know take all your protections off me i don't want any of your protections we got up there, we got into the house, and there is an immediate feeling of relief when you cross the threshold. Um, you no longer feel all those feelings of anger. The, the mob mentality kind of vanishes for a minute. But it's, like I said, it's a brief respite. And so we stayed there as long as we needed to while everybody caught their breath, while they calmed down. Um, and that's when I was looking further up the hill and I saw something i don't know what it was i do know that i felt evil from it the, br the group kind of broke off as a whole but he kind of just he was walking long distance and basically trying to experience everything um my friend that had told me the story about the mob boss that says he can see stuff went with him because he's like oh no this friend's gonna get himself in trouble. Somebody decided they wanted to go and investigate and they wanted to go and invite whatever it was in. You never invite things in that you don't understand. All I mostly saw was dark. Um, it was very tall. It was a man-shaped figure. I do remember seeing um, eyes of some kind. Um, they were not a normal color. I do remember them slightly glowing, I would say, I mean, it wasn't like red evil glow, but they did have a light within, do you know what I mean? So, but you really couldn't, I couldn't see much more than that. And in this particular case, like I said, I don't know exactly what I saw. I do know that it gave me pause and that I knew that it was inherently evil and I had 
I had no desire to move towards it, to have anything to do with it whatsoever. But again, this other person just has a desire to know everything without really thinking about the consequences of his actions and tried to go and invite it in. So I tried to convince my, he became my boyfriend later, but I was basically like, let's just have fun with it. Let's go with it. And he was still kind of being a buzzkill. So he stayed down by this witch's house. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm not going to be a buzzkill. I'm going to go have fun. So I decided that I was going to walk a little further up the path to join these other two friends of ours that had gone up to this area that they claim is kind of like a little shrine to the witch, you know? So I was walking up to this area and the path breaks off into kind of an L shape that goes to the right. And it goes right past, like right under this tree. And before the path breaks off, the area to your right is kind of like a big field and it goes up a hill. And so the path under the tree was really dark. (laughs) So I didn't want to take that path. So I decided I'm just going to cut through the field and I'm going to walk up the hill. It was later that uh, one of my friends told me that as I was walking up, he could see a shadow coming behind me. And then it got up like, not like a person shadow, but a collective like big shadow, almost like the shadow of a building kind of closing in on you and then it backed off when it got to me so before this I had not known anything about this ancestors business or anything like that I didn't know that that was a thing I just knew I didn't really have these experiences and I didn't want to so he tells me that as this thing approached me it backed off which I thought was kind of funny because I had specifically taken the field <laughs> to not go under the shadowy scary part So I got to the top of the hill and I was like, okay, tell me the story about what this is. Yeah, this is the witch's shrine. And all of us, there were three of us that were up there and all of us felt a little bit sad, but a little bit peaceful. Like everybody had their own kind of inkling of this is how we'd feel being in this one spot. Nobody felt scared. Um, I just knew that it the story itself kind of made me sad, but it it seemed like she was, you know, laid to rest kind of thing, and she had her own little shrine. As we're standing up there, my friend, one of my female friends had joined us, and she basically, she was a little more like me in that she was very scared of this type of thing. Um, She was a lot more of a believer than I was, though she brought up, like, her gospel music on her iPod to listen to, like, help protect herself kind of thing and she came up and she she basically freaked out because she saw somebody like walking up on the hill in the distance and it was a very clear-cut shadow a very clear outline and I was like I told my friend I said listen I don't see stuff ever and I can see that very clearly it's a very defined outlined person that's not a ghost that's our friend that was wanting to experience something that had kind of run off. I'm like, don't worry about it. That's not a ghost, I promise you. So we all came back down from there. And when we, this is the funny part, when we got back down to the the ruins of where the witch's house was, the guy that I was dating, which just for the record, we dated for several months after that. And I never saw this guy like get emotional 
he's kind of an extreme douchebag and very like manly and tough and I don't do that kind of thing. We came back down from the hill and he was crying and he couldn't tell us why. <laughs> so that that was kind of my first hint that when when my friends said, oh, you know, we're channeling the witch's energy, I was like, meh. Or we're just feeling sad about this story of what happened to her, because that's a horrible, terrible thing to happen to any person. Like, this is our own feelings, and we're infusing it into the situation. So when I saw him, like, and not just like a couple tears, like he was almost bawling. And I was like, how on earth is he crying? And this is the guy that thought he was really bored as we were coming up and thought this was a stupid idea for a birthday and just wanted to leave and go back to the party and drink some more, you know. And so he was crying, couldn't tell us why, couldn't explain why he had started crying. He was like, I don't know. I'm just really, really sad all of a sudden. So at that point, my friend uh, who claimed to be able to project her protections immediately just went, we have to go now. And I was like, oh, um, okay. So we gathered everybody together and our friend that wanted to have the experience was kind of lead in the pack and he was acting a little bit weird um and as we were walking down i was like okay this guy's crying this guy's acting really weird my friend rachel is now freaking out because of other people's experience she's got her gospel music on the only one there's only like two of my friends that were really somewhat in control of themselves and one of them was dating rachel so he was kind of behind her sort of protecting her and then the other one was up front with my friend that was you know really angry and the guy that was trying to experience something I ended up taking I don't know how this happened but I ended up taking the back of the group <laughs> which for a person like me it's not common but I was like okay clearly I'm a little more resistant to this. Other people are feeding into their stuff more than I am. So I was like, clearly they need a little bit more of a buffer. So I'll stand in back. So I ended up in the back of this group as we were walking. There's this part on the trail where it has kind of a wall on the side of the trail. And then there's this little break in the wall. So there's kind of like the wall ends and it's almost like two columns. But it was one of those things where I turned to look at it and it was dark and ominous and the trees were closing in on it and I just had this feeling of oh oh god shield your face don't look because you're gonna psych yourself out so I kept walking and then I do that thing that every person does in like a scary movie <laughs> my brain is telling myself don't look behind you don't look behind you don't look behind you but well I should say my instincts were telling me that my brain was telling me it was just a path that was dark hope like if you look back there, you'll see that there's, cause I had this kind of like inkling, you know, where like I thought something had come out of that area that I had been looking down and was like against the wall. So I just wanted to reassure myself because every time I have a feeling like that, I turn and I look and there's nothing there. So my instincts were telling me don't turn around and my brain was going, just reassure yourself that there's nothing there. So I turned around and uh, there was something there. <laughs> we were probably about 15 to 20 feet away from that particular wall at this point. But the wall that ran along the path directly opposite where that opening had been, there was a clear cut figure leaning against it. So 
I describe it as it's not like when you see a tree and it's kind of fuzzy-ish type of thing. It's like when I saw my friend up on the hill. There was a very clear, defined outline of a person, of a human being. And I immediately, like, my heart leapt into my throat. My stomach jumped up there. And my friend that was directly in front of me, I grabbed his arm and I said, Chaz, I need you to tell me if you see that. And he looked behind me, and this is what kills me. No tact whatsoever. He goes, yeah, he's right behind you. Run. And I went. And because I basically was hoping that Chaz would go, no, I don't see anything there. And I could be like, you're psyching yourself out, Hope. You're really starting to see things now. But he confirmed it, and he went, yeah, he's right behind you. Run. So we did. We started running down the path. Later, my friend Chaz asked me if I grabbed him with one arm or two. And I said, I'm pretty sure that I grabbed you with one. He's like, I felt two arms grab me. I felt you grab both arms. And I was like, no, no, I didn't do that because I was still halfway turned the other way looking at this thing to make sure, like, you know, when you you break contact and then you look back and it's gone. I didn't want to break contact looking at it. So I had grabbed out with one arm to be like, Chaz, do you see that? And I didn't look at my friend. I was looking that direction until I heard him say, yeah, he's right behind you, run. At which point I immediately turned around and started running. I ran about 10 or 15 steps and I looked behind me again. And he was no longer against the wall. It was following me, but it felt kind of like when you take a panoramic picture and somebody moves, like, the shadow wasn't perfectly defined anymore. It was on the path and it was now closer to me, but it was a little more blurry, like my eyes had just caught it in motion or something. And I have had people that have said they've seen it and they, nobody describes it like that. So I'm wondering if part of that was my brain or if part of that was just because I have that thick veil and whether it was a mob or something else. So I go with the definition that my friends gave me. In my brain, it's the angry leader of the mob and there were just too many people. They outnumbered the people that were around me. It could be something different. I don't know if that story is true. But regardless, the anger of this guy that was following me and whatever support he had, whether it was a mob full of other spirits, it got through those protections. And so I'm wondering if maybe that's what made this look different from whatever else has ever described seeing but I looked back and it it was still the shadow of a distinct form but it was blurry around the edges and it was coming closer to me so I ran another 15 steps or so and I looked back and it was closer yet still than the last place I had looked but it was still kind of blurry like it was following me I got about 15 20 steps away and this is the thing that convinces me the most that I had a genuine paranormal experience. I turned on my heel (laughs) and I started marching back the other direction. And my friend Chaz grabbed me and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm gonna go tell him to fuck off. He's being a bully and this is bullshit. And my friend Chaz went, "You, you can't go tell an angry spirit to fuck off. And I was like, Chaz, I don't care. He's being a dick. He is being a bully and somebody needs to tell that guy to fuck off. And my friend Chaz had to physically grab me by the shoulders and drag me away because I was refusing to be pulled back to the group and he had to like try to convince me like we need to stay together kind of thing you know I am not the type of person (laughs) that will go and confront a ghost that is not me so if there's ever a 
piece of proof to me that I was channeling something and that there was actually spirits there and energy is the fact that I was about to go confront a ghost and tell him to go screw himself, you know, because that's not something I do. Our other friend, maybe not me. I'm not that kind of person. Me again. I'm going to interrupt for just a second to tell you that Hope's reaction is not without precedent. Uh, It was different than the one Hope was talking about. It was somebody else. And she uh, is empathic. So she's very in touch with feelings and energy and things like that. And we went up and we walked up to the the witch's house and we were coming back down and we were almost out of the grove walking along the sidewalk. And I was just checking on everybody and I said, hey, are you okay? And I reached out to touch her and she said, don't touch me. And I said, okay. And then we crossed that pentacle that I talked about and there was just an immediate relief on her face. And she said, if you had touched me, I would have broken your arm. She's like, whatever it was, was enough in control of me or had enough influence over me that I would have broken your arm if you had touched me. So we all get out of there, we get out of Memory Grove. I'm still fuming and angry up until about like halfway through the car ride home and then I kind of start to calm down a little bit. We go back to the house where the party was at and everybody's kind of talking about what their experience was. This guy cried, this guy saw some stuff and was acting weird, my friend Audrey was angry, I was angry. And I talked to my friend Chaz and I was like, I just want to make sure because once you're out of the moment, you kind of start to doubt it and like, okay, was I psyching myself out? What else could it have been kind of thing? And so I went and I asked my friend Chaz and I said, I just want to make sure that I saw the same thing that you saw. And I explained to him what it looked like, that it looked like a guy leaning against the wall about 20 feet from us. And my friend went, oh yeah, I saw him too. (laughs) I went, I'm sorry, what now? What do you mean you saw him too? Apparently there was another one that was literally about six or seven inches away from my body, standing right behind me that I did not see. So this tells me that this this one that I did see was angry enough that he broke through a lot of stuff because apparently there was one right next to me that my friend could see that I could not see because I still had that thick veil there. And so I, at that point, like thanked my lucky stars that I didn't see the one that was right behind me or I probably would have peed my pants then and there. Um, and then that was kind of the end of it for that night. And about... Two or three nights later, we had a party at the haunted house, like a movie viewing party. And this was the first time I had seen these friends since the particular event. And my friend that had left, that had was determined to have an experience and see something and had been acting kind of weird when we left, came up to me and put his hands on my shoulders and they were just, he said like, hi, and he put his hands on my shoulders and they were freezing. They were freezing cold. And me, like not getting any of this because I'm resistant to it, I just made some sort of joke of like, man, your hands are freezing, really? My shoulders isn't gonna help you, right under my boobs is where the warmest place is, you know? Just trying to be a smart ass about it. And then he left. And my friend Rachel came up to me and she said, are you okay? And I went, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Why? She said, he did the same thing to me about 45 minutes ago, and I haven't been able to get warm since. And I went, no, I'm, I'm fine. And so I later talked to my friend, and he said that he had 
come home with so much energy that it was almost like too much for him to take. It was driving him insane. And so he tried to give some of it to Rachel because he just couldn't handle anyone. She lived with him at the time. She was his roommate. And then he could tell after he gave her a little bit, you know, that she couldn't handle it. But he's like, that's why I came up to you and I put my hands on your shoulders because the energy is just like, it transferred out of me, but it just like rolled off of you. It didn't do anything to you. You made a comment about how my hands were cold and that was it and it didn't affect you. So I knew I couldn't do it to Rachel anymore, but I could do it to you. Uh, he was living in a house with other people and everybody in that house reported later um, in talking to them, doors opening on their own, um, cold spots, things, um, weird noises happening that weren't typical things like that because something either followed him or he invited something else at some other point. I always tell people I wouldn't be able to tell if I was being haunted because I have ADD, I forget my keys everywhere. I am likely to come in somewhere and go, huh, I don't remember leaving it there. I guess I must have and the ghost will be bored and not do anything because I'm just likely to believe it was me that caused that particular issue. I don't mess with it on purpose. So anytime anybody ever says, I have a couple friends who go and they're like, do you want to go ghost hunting? And I go, no, I have no desire to experience that again. That was the most frightened I've ever been when I initially turned around and saw it. And then when I got so angry, it, I wasn't in control of myself. I don't do drugs and alcohol for that reason. I want to be in control of my actions. So the fact that I had this channeled this energy and turned around like, what would have happened to me? What would I have done if my friend had not dragged me away? I don't want to put myself in that situation again. Stories like this always make me wonder about the impact we leave behind. When we're gone, when we die, do our actions die with us? Or does what we do and feel and the way we are leave a mark on the world. I don't know, but I'm sure not going to Memory Grove alone anymore. Thank you for listening. The Ghost Box Podcast is written and produced and all this stuff by me, Dory Peacock. I want to thank my guests, Caleb and Hope, for sharing their stories. Music credits for this episode can be found in the show notes. If you have a ghost story you'd like to share with us, please email the show at theghostboxpod at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Instagram at theghostboxpod. If you like the show, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you didn't like the show, well, that's between you and your God. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay spooky. And it was a kitty in the background. Kitty, no. Kitty, no. It's kitty being naughty. Oh my gosh, kitty, no. There's not a good time for kitty. Come here. Just a little podcat.